0: Hi, everyone. I'm Mel Butcher.
1: And I'm Michelle Ridfin.
0: And we're behind the Lead to Soar podcast. We've got a couple really fun things to share with you. And the first thing we want to share is our colleague, Susan Colantuno. She started a podcast called Be Business Savvy. Be Business Savvy. We highly recommend it. And it's a short form podcast where you hear directly from Susan. It's like having a friendly mentor in your ear. So check her out at BeBusinessSavvy.com. Over to you, Michelle.
1: Thanks, Mel. Well, two exciting things from me, along with Be Business Savvy. Number one, The Leadership Compass. My very first book is due for release on March 26, 2024. You can find out more about The Leadership Compass, what it's all about. Of course, it'll be your ultimate guide if you're an ambitious woman leader. You can find more about that at michelleredfern.com. And hand-in-hand with the Leadership Compass book is the Leadership Compass Boot Camps. I'm going to do one boot camp a quarter for 2024 for just six women at a time, and you'll be working through in three weeks, so yes, it's short, sharp, and high-impact all of the elements from the Leadership Compass and my 40 years of executive experience. So you'll cover BQ, EQ and SQ and you will be positioned to have a career that soars. Again, you can find out about the boot camps at michelleredfern.com, leadtosoar.com or if you can't find any of that, just drop us a line and we'll point you in the right direction.
0: You're listening to Michelle Redfern and Mel Butcher on Lead to Soar, bringing you the best leadership advice and mentorship from around the world. Learn more at leadtosoar.com. Now, let's get to Michelle's interview with Julie Escobar. Julie Escobar is a sharpened, international, market-driven leader and international businesswoman. She has driven the achievement of tremendous sales goals from $20 million to $50 million in as little as three years. Escobar is co-founder of Global Women Fresh, an organization whose mission is to leverage the talent of women in produce to close the food industry's gender divide, by inspiring, connecting, and empowering women around the world. Welcome to Lead to Soar.
1: I'm really, really pleased today to be joined by Julie Escobar, who I've now known for a couple of years. And uh, we came uh, to know each other through one of Julie's ventures called Global Women Fresh, which I'm going to ask her to talk about in a little while. But when I, I first met Julie and certainly the people she works with, the women that she works with, who have got a very, very aligned mission to, to ours here at Source, I, I knew that I'd found a kindred spirit, someone a woman who knows business, uh, who knows about strategic networking, who knows about you know making global change, and uh, every time I'm with her, her vision and her big, hairy, audacious goals that she has really inspire me to be better. So it's terrific to be able to share Julie's leadership story with you today in our conversation. And uh, well, without further ado, I'm going to hand over to you, Julie, to say hi. How are you? And well, let's talk about you and, and leadership and your career. You know, how to, how to, when someone says to you, tell us about your career, what do you say?
0: Well, first of all, uh, extremely pleased to be here in your podcast. Thank you for inviting me and Global Women Fresh. Yeah, no, I think I've been incredibly privileged and been I've been in the industry and in the agricultural business for over 20 years and like many other industries out there, The agricultural world is definitely a very male-dominated one. And then since, you know, since always, since the beginning of my career back when I was 20 years old, I was like, this is absolutely insane. I mean, where is the mentoring, the sponsoring? You know, you would just see a lot of different women in the industry, but just not necessarily occupying any of the high-level executive positions, So since early in my career, I saw a a big gap and also a big opportunity to fill those executive positions. And today I I am the vice president of a private equity group, and I am incredibly proud to be one of the co-founders of Global Women Fresh and to have this incredible mission to continue to empower, inspire, and connect more women in the agricultural world. So um, I'm excited to, to talk a little bit more. Excellent. Thank you. Well, I want
1: to talk first about your your position, your day job, so to speak, in the private equity world. So private equity, venture capitalism, you know, the, the whole finance side of any industry is, well, I don't need to tell you, very male-dominated and has a has a perception uh, around a kind of persona that it takes to be successful. I'm interested in how you came to be successful in this particular sector and and industry and what do you think sets you apart and, and, you know, I I guess what made you noticeable so that you ascended to the C-suite? You're still, you know, well, compared to me, you're a very young woman, so I'm I'm really interested in how you've got there in such a, you know, a, a very, very, cut and thrust kind of industry?
0: Sure. So, well, I guess Well, part of my story is I think I've been extremely lucky to have, have had a family, a grandmother, a mother, a set of, of aunts that they were very strong women who really saw the world very different to the norm. So since very early age, you know, I was just incredibly empowered to, you know, go and, and go after your dreams and, and with the hard work and determination, you can achieve anything you want, which is a big part of the challenge that we have in the world, right? Not necessarily all the little girls are educated or are empowered that they can actually do that. And, and the question of finance is, is one that today I'm incredibly puzzled and and incredibly passionate about because you're right i mean little girls were not empowered since our early ages to be confident with math with finance with with numbers and that's ultimately one of the reasons of why you see a lot more women going into other Careers, so marketing and you know business development, but not necessarily the finance world. Mm. And I think that that's one of the things, the big things in my agenda for the next coming years of how do I, uh, you know, how do we change that? Because I think that once you give the power of understanding the numbers and the power of analyzing your finance, whether it is your internal finance at your home or the understanding of the finance of a business, it gives you an incredible amount of power in the room. But I would say that for me, there was really just three things. One, it's it's just really having the discipline since early age. You know, I just really I'm a big believer in education. After my bachelor's degree in international business, I I just really saw that that there was this great opportunity to go deeper into getting my MBA, and I spent an enormous amount of years. One completing well, one I completed the MBA, but That MBA really gave me the opportunity to travel extensively through the Asia-Pacific Rim, develop an incredible network of executives and good friends in pretty much every single country around the world. So the discipline of of knowing that, you know, just in order for you to to go where you really want to go, you just have to put the hours, you have to put the the energy, the investment, financial and non-financial. And ultimately that takes determination, right? I mean, you have to have the determination. You have to be incredibly intentional about what your goals and your dreams are. And that, I really like that word intentional because, you know, a lot of people, we talk about it, right? We want to do this. We want to do that. But at the end of the day, what is your intention and what are you willing to put in to, to make it happen? Mm-hmm. And then the third one was, was really kind of rock the boat, just just kind of all, I've always some sort of how use this phrase about like not accepting things just because the way they are and, and kind of go and rock the boat, you know, just ask difficult questions and in a very respectful way. But don't take the standards, you know, challenge the status quo. And obviously, in, in a lot of different occasions, I was a little bit of a pain in the, <laughs> <laughs> in the butt. And I'm sure that there was a lot of male executives that at, at some point in my career they were just annoyed with me. But at some point, that that rocking the boat for me was just a, it was just the kind of that confirmation and that part of the that that would understand. Okay, what is it? What's really happening? Why am I not advancing? Do I? What do I need to do? And and luckily, I was able to kind of have at some point, good leaders who were able to open up and listen and talk and mentor and sponsor at at some point in my career. Yeah. But I would say that those three are pretty much the main items. Yeah.
1: Really so, so much in there. I'm scribbling away here as you're talking that the value of mentors, the value of education, the value of networks, but knowing the numbers and the math and of course, rocking the boat, but you and I both know we, we are fellow or colleagues in, in rocking the boat, but the, the numbers and the math and the messaging that we give to women, well, girls, because c- you, you touched on the fact that, sadly, there are many, many girls who are denied education, even basic education still around the world. But for those of us who are in a position of privilege where we can have access, I, I really want to tease out that you know, the fact that you went, oh, I, I need to know the numbers, I need to know how business works, but I'm got to be determined and intentional. Like you, intent is a very strong part of the, the words or the guiding principles I, I set myself. And we quite often talk about um, strategies and career plans and how I'm going to do this. And and for me, I I just say hope is not a strategy. If I wish and I hope for something, that's fine, but you've got to have the determination and the intent and then you've got to put the time in, as you said, invest, whether it's monetary or or non-monetary. But let me wind back to the, you know, we know from our research that women who ascend to positions like yours, so a woman in power in a private equity firm or similar in the C-suite must be able to have and demonstrate her business strategic and financial acumen and for me the the, that is coming through in spades that you've got that and then clearly you know you are brokering big deals with lots of money and lots of other people's money um, and and held to account a lot but if you think back over your career uh, were there some you know Aha uh-huh moments, or were there some fork in the road, pivotal moments where you knew, and and I guess an mb getting an MBA is a really good part of it, but where you knew, or someone said you, yeah, this is what you need, or and you need to demonstrate more of it around, you know, you, you're the missing, what we call the missing thirty three percent. Can you think of anything there that really went aha? That's what I've got yeah. to do to get there.
0: Yeah, actually, it was pretty early in my career, even before, you know, I got the MBA and, and so on. Um, it was it was really literally the first company that I worked for and, and the CEO of this company, which until today, we're still incredibly good friends. He didn't have any education. He was just he he made the business himself. And one of the biggest lessons that he always taught me was is like, listen, business, it's like a chain. And if the chains are not connected and you're not understanding how the other part of the chain is moving, then your chain is not necessarily going to move. So early in the career, I understood, like, listen, first of all, you know, common sense. You have to have the common sense to understand how does your business and how does the business, regardless of whether in what part of the supply chain you are, what part of business you are, you need to understand how the company is making money. And when you are capable of articulating, how does the company makes money and how do you add value to that equation? And you can articulate that well in front of anyone, whether it is the guy who's driving a pickup or the CEO or the CFO or anyone in the entire organization, then I think that that's really ultimately when you become someone critical in the, in the, in the equation. Now, that's the one part of difficult part that I find in the discussions and in a lot of the webinars that we've been doing around the world with women, right? It's mm-hmm. just this, this incredible lack of confidence of women just being very one, either uh, incredibly shy mm-hmm. or being incredible naive or just kind of not wanting to get deeper into the subject of, of, okay, how does this really company make money and how do I become a value at it? And how do you rock that piece of, can we make more money or not, right? And I think that that's, that's ultimately, once again, kind of the big opportunity and the big challenge that we have ahead of ourselves, right?
1: Yeah you're I'm so pleased that you're still friends with with that that former CEO that former boss of yours because you'd have the opportunity to to thank him for that advice which I got to tell you Julie it is it is textbook advice how does the company make money and what's my role in that how do I help the company grow and what's my role in that it's um, I do like the analogy of the chains I'm like a lot of people, very visual. So I've, I've got, I'm sort of rolling my eyes here thinking, yeah, that's a really good visual. I like it. What great advice. And I think two things in that, really good advice and clearly very, very pivotal experience for you uh, in terms of you developing your own understanding and your career and, and your your skills, your leadership skills. But the other thing is, and, and I want to touch on this now, slightly unscripted, but paying you paid attention to it. And you and I, particularly with the work we've done together around building women's confidence, and, and I use that word carefully because there's a lot of confidence building for women, but it's not about the missing 33%. It's not about building their confidence to have a conversation with everyone from the janitor through to the chair of the board about your role in helping the business grow. And it's how might we have women pay more attention to the fact that this is a game changer. And I guess what made you pay attention to this fellow, this wonderful early career developer of yours? What made you pay attention to that that advice?
0: Well, for me, I have to tell you that, you know, since I was probably 17, 18 years old, I had a determination that I wanted to become the CEO of a company. Yeah, So I I was lucky enough in my world to be very focused and and very disciplined and and I took took my career very seriously right to the point that I made very drastic choices of you know not having a family not having kids and ultimately having a divorce, I, you know, previously previously married, but just being very determined. Now, I'm not saying that that is the only way. I think that that in, a, to, in today's world, you can potentially have both. But I was just very intentional and I was willing to go the extra mile. So, you know, I remember when I was working for a top multinational company and I said to them, listen, I really want to go and get my master's and my MBA and and I think that this is going to really add a lot of value. Well, in the agricultural world, you know, a lot of the companies don't necessarily see the value of, uh, on, a, on an MBA. And at that point, that company, a multi-billion-dollar company said, listen, we appreciate what you want to do, but we're not willing to support you or sponsor you hmm. financially for this. And I said, listen, I understand, but I am going to go and take the time and the energy and the money to do this. And I took it on my own. Right. Mm. And so in a lot of different situations in my personal career, I have have had companies come back and say, thank you, but no, thank you. Right. Like, you know, yeah. yes, we believe personal development, but no, we were not in a position to sponsor you at the moment or pay for that. And I just, I took the no as just as a, know i i understood that the no and i understood that hey at this moment the company is not prepared to do this but that no did not mean that julie escobar was not ready to do that commitment Mm -hmm. and you know and i just i did it i i took the time and the energy and the money myself to do it and and that's ultimately sometimes what i also see that lacks in women around the world right so they they go to their bosses they go to their companies they have a request and, you know, and then the request gets to be denied for, you know, whatever the reasons are. And then all of a sudden that dream or that vision or that intention gets put in the back in the, ma- in the back of your of your dreams, right? And, and then what's happened is, is that you wake up 10, 15 years later and then you're either doing exactly the same position, making the same amount of money, being frustrated because you haven't really moved up the ladder. So then it becomes just kind of this vicious cycle, right? It's like, okay, you didn't do nothing to your career because your company weren't necessarily willing to do something for you, but then you didn't all necessarily went out of your way to actually do something. So I think it's the tough part for being a woman. Like you just yeah. you literally you not sit around and wait for the sponsors. And, and, and you said it in, in one of our webinars a few months ago, it's like, I definitely think that women are over mentor. There's so much. <laughs> there's, there's just so much mentoring going on, but at the yeah. end of the day, when it's time for these companies to pull the trigger and to actually execute and move women to the next top positions, then there's a tremendous lack of, of action there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You've, you've hit one of my hot buttons. Women are over mentored and under promoted and it's uh it's really interesting when, well, it's not interesting, I find it frustrating like you do that we know that there is so much messaging sent women's way about do more. And it's interesting, my my colleague Mel Butcher and I were talking about this very thing yesterday about the advice given to women. And the advice given to women is so rarely still around developing your business strategic and financial acumen. It's so rarely about how to harness and point your ambition in the right way. It's so rarely about really, you know, unleashing their potential. And it's so often about their appearance. It's so often about work-life balance. It's so often about the very gendered things. And, you know, interviewing women like you, women successful C-suite leaders like you is such an important part of demonstrating To women that they must take themselves seriously. They must take their ambition seriously. And and look, ambition comes in all shapes and sizes, but it's a two-way street. Having a career that soars is not going to be delivered to you on a silver platter. There are many, many things that we need to do to step up and step into our greatness and make it happen. And what I really appreciate about what you said, Julie, was that you didn't take a no as a never it's a well not right now and not in this particular way but I'm so clear and intentional about what I want to do and I'm determined to do it I will find a way so there's the key messages out of that for me is listen to the right messages around around career development listen to the right messages about how to really have an impact for your organization but be really clear about what you want. And even if it's only in the next three months or 12 months, be clear about what you want because there will be someone, there'll be people like you, there'll be people like me and others around the world who will say, I'm ready to help you, what do you want? And from from what you've told me, you were very clear about what you wanted. So that's, you know, there's a whole bunch of messaging in there. So for me, it's like dial down all the, you know, lose weight, do your hair this way, dress this way, advice that's so you know, flung the way of women so much and how to have work-life balance and blah, blah, blah and start paying attention like you did to the advice that you had and, uh, and link it to your career goals. your mind back to when you weren't yet in the c-suite but you could see it and and you were very very clear you were determined to be there we know that decisions are made and there's a there's a language and there's a you know dynamic that goes on around the executive tables and around boardroom tables you and I are both at them how did someone and i use the term mentor carefully because i want to say strategic mentor how did a mentor or a sponsor or a champion expose you to what goes on at the seat of power at those tables where executives and boards make decisions how did they help you see the eyes or see the business through the eyes of those people
0: that's an excellent question um i think so one one thing for me, what it always really helped was going the extra mile. And when I was able to show my executive team and whether it was the president or the vice president or whoever I was reporting at that time, that I did know a little bit more about the subject than they would probably know. That always shows a little bit of a confidence in the room to say, okay, well, you know, this person is definitely bringing some really good ideas some really good value because you're in a way you are challenging the business and the status quo. And then obviously, you know, when you're younger, uh, in my case, I was a lot more passionate and, you know, and a lot more energetic and passion. You know, you have to kind of be able to learn how to temper the passion and And temper is a, it's a great word because you have to as you get older and as as you want to fit into this executive world you do have to temper a lot of things you have to temper your emotions your tone of voice your language your physical appearance the way you you manage the room and those are things that I still until today I continue to be incredibly present to and I continue to spend a lot of time and energy on even making those straights, even better, right? Because probably as a woman, you're always, you know, doubting yourself. Am I doing it right? You know, you, uh, there's so many studies that says that men, you know, they go out there and they think that there are five and then women go out there and then we think we're <laughs> at three. Yeah. And then it's, you know, where men are overconfident, right? So it's like, that is a constant thing that we just have to continue to work all the time. But being able to, when you've got to be in an executive position is being able to be incredibly, humble and present to what the entire macroeconomic or the entire scenario of possibilities and, and just being able to be rational and and not to bring so much emotions, which in reality, you know, women, we can be emotional, right? So how do you keep your cool in those meetings? How do you not bring that emotional side of you? And how do you bring that rational piece of you know, how do we make money, but how do we create it sustainable? And how do we make it ethical? And how do we make sure that the shareholders and and everyone in the entire supply chain, it's actually seeing the opportunity and creating value and making money. That's how I see it.
1: Yeah. And if you think about all of the people that you've worked with, was was this a gradual thing that built up over time or, or were, there, were there leaders in, in your career that have said, Julie, I want you to dial this up or dial this down. Were there any particular experiences that really helped you see the world through the eyes of the CEO and, and their team?
0: Yeah, I would say probably my the last person that I reported to, yes, I was definitely a much more my background, it's it's growing sales and and taking a company from a hundred million dollars to, you know, a billion dollars in sales. Mm. That's, that's what I've done. So when you do that, you're passionate, you're driven, you're energetic, and sometimes you always, you have to be incredibly conscious that you have a team of people behind you. And how do you bring your team team with you as opposed to just doing it yourself? And Mm. that was an incredible, big lesson, that I had to learn the hard way, right? It was just not, listen, it's just not, yes, it is incredibly, absolutely, it is important to hit the numbers and to hit the revenue and the profits. But at the same time, it's incredibly important to bring the team and to have an environment and a culture that you are supporting and empowering and mentoring the people behind you. Mm. Because if not, then then it doesn't really work. I mean, yeah, the company can be making millions and billions of dollars, but if everyone hates to come to work, then it's kind of a nightmare for everyone. <laughs> so so the big lesson there was like, listen, it's okay to maybe sometimes slow your jets and just maybe go a little bit slower, but make sure that you are bringing a team behind you because as you create a, a team spirit, then that's ultimately when, when you're just going to have a win-win for everyone.
1: So such a great example of engaging the greatness in others, which is part of our, our three-part leadership definition. You know, engaging the greatness in others is, is not just being the most popular person in the room. It, it's as that advice that was given to you: bring the team with you, engage their hearts, their minds, and their efforts, but aligned towards the business's strategic and financial goals. Such an important lesson for, for all of us to learn. So interesting. I was we share many traits, um, our passion and determination being one of them. And I really enjoy hearing about tempering because I'm thinking about, you know, tempering chocolate and tempering steel and thinking we we do have to temper ourselves. And it's not about losing your authentic self and being someone else, but it is around the dynamic around a, a C-suite table of decision makers is is different and you need to manage yourself very, very well. Everyone does. And that passion and energy that served us well at career start and in the middle of our careers will still serve us well, but we need to manage it very, very carefully and engage and align the others around us, our peers in the in the C-suite. So
0: totally, te- and I, tempering, and
1: I think, yeah, it's great. It's a great analogy.
0: And I think also it's having a global career, very international career, just also being incredibly mindful of cultures and time zones and different languages and quite honest one that is very present today the generational gaps yeah working with the baby boomers the millennials now the generation z and and being able to once again do the homework right understand this generations what what is it that it's taking and not taking to them so then you can actually make a, a genuine connection because as you said it, I mean, if, you, if you're if you not connecting generally in those rooms, whether it is in the boardroom or the sales room or the director's room, then it's very challenging for other peers and, and, and others to see you as a leader. And I think mm-hmm. that that's also a very important trait for, especially for women. Yeah.
1: I, I agree, and and it's, as you said, be aware or, or you know be open to the fact that we need to temper our approach and, and continually evolve. And I like the the analogy of a chameleon, and I've always considered myself a bit of a chameleon in that I am who I am, but my color or my appearance or the way I portray a particular idea or initiative will adjust to the circumstances and the environment that I find myself in because the messaging, to a group of people around a boardroom table uh, and the way that that message is delivered is is different to the messaging perhaps that I would give to some shareholders or perhaps that I'd give to the people that report to me it's the same message but the way that it's delivered is delivered in a way that makes sense for those people and it I think that's a really great nugget of advice. As as one of our members, Bronwyn, calls them, knowledge bombs. That's a great knowledge bomb, that tempering. I, I really, really appreciate that, Julie. I want to go into our, our three things, secrets, advice and rethinking. So secrets to soaring. What are the essential success lessons you learned by trial and error? You've talked about a couple, but, you know, we all have those stories in our career. We went, oh, goodness, (laughs) that was interesting. And what did I learn from that? What are your secrets to soaring? and, And what lessons have you learned by trial and error?
0: Well, that's an interesting one. Well, I think that, once again, it's just that, for me, the secret is just kind of the determination plus the tempering of the, t- the determination and also, you know, like just being patient to know that this is a marathon and it's not a sprint. Yeah. Uh, and I think that for me, you know, when I was 25, 30, I'm like, okay, how can I get to this director role in a year, in two years? And And quite honestly, it doesn't happen like that because you, on the other hand, on the other side of the table, you have men and males who have dedicated 20-25 years working for different companies and they still haven't achieved those positions yeah so this notion of you know and that's my ex-leader that I used to report to my previous job that was a big phrase not a sprint it's a marathon and it's going to take a lot of time it's going to take a lot of energy and you're going to go through your ups and downs and and sometimes I, yes, I wanted it to quit and I just wanted it to take a sabbatical and I <laughs> wanted it to <laughs> think about, okay, how do I open my own business? And, uh, and then, you know, you just kind of come around and you just kind of have to think about, hey, if you're focused and you think that career and becoming and being part of an executive team is what is going to fulfill you, you just have to going to have to put the, the time and the energy for that.
1: Yeah, that uh, I like that. And like you, I was a, a very pain in the neck sprinter in my 20s and 30s. And, and I look back and I think, gee whiz, you know, naked ambition is, is a great thing because people always knew where I wanted to go. But you've got to earn your dues. You've you've got to mm-hmm. you've got to build a track record of accomplishments. And that's what a marathon's all around. I, I like saying that the journey to to mastery around leadership is never complete it's a lifetime journey and it's it's, it's similar, similar analogies. What about, what about advice? Now, women are washed with advice, as alluded to earlier. Well, I didn't allude, I said. But what are your words of wisdom that you can pass on, particularly to our aspiring women leaders?
0: Uh, it's Excellent question. And it's very connected to my first answer. So, Probably one of the regrets that I have and or the learning that I have through the last twenty years was that because I was so determined to go fast and to 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 become a you know and a top executive, you know, and here I am today, I'm only thirty nine, so you're right. I'm a very uh, someone who's young but has done a lot, is that I in the process, I really didn't focus a lot of my energy or my time to build stronger relationships with more people so yes I have a network and yes I you know I've spent a lot of energy in the last 20 years building that network but if I would have known what I know now when I was 25 mm-hmm. I would have definitely you know I would have gone for that extra wine at the bar and I would have gone for that lunch I would have you know invited someone else for coffee because know that's ultimately what life is about life is about how do you continue to connect with people how do you impact their lives and how can they actually impact your life and i think that that sometimes is the beauty of the beauty and some of the things one of the things that we when we created a global women fresh was women were so we're, we're really not really good at networking we're petrified at networking we hate it right men are so good at going golfing having a drink going to the bar having a scotch and, and we're just like, should we go to lunch? Should we not? Should I have her for coffee? I mean, should I invite her? And it's just like, listen, just go for lunch, go for coffee, go, you know, don't wait for the invitation, go and do the invitation. And out of the 10 times that I do it, I would say that 90% of the times I always either learn something new open up the doors for potential new, new relationships, make a new connection. And, and I wish I could have done more of that um, as I was, I was going so fast in my career.
1: What great advice. And of course we collaborated less than a month ago around strategic networking and uh, you know, your global women fresh and a career that soars. We have a shared mission to help women strategically network. So connect with the right others, but also, get out of the office, putting your head down and your bottom up, doing really good work is okay. But you need to also build those internal and external relationships. And I think that's really good advice. I want to tease that out a little bit more in the context of how important it is when your networks, when you started Global Women Fresh, an idea that is now a global powerhouse, those networks were critical, right, Julie, in in terms of the Number one, starting, continuing, sustaining, scaling, growing, all that kind of stuff. So how has that strategic networking helped Global Women Fresh?
0: That's been huge. The one thing that we, when we created at Global Women Fresh with our other two co-founders, our goal was to really have a very global mindset, right? We didn't want to have just uh, represent the U.S. or Latin America or Asia. We really wanted it to have a strong voice for women around the world. And then bringing a global board of directors who were representing each part of the different continents and different countries of the world was critical because that's one of the biggest challenges that today we have in this gender equality discussion. Not being able to understand that the realities of what women in Africa live versus what women in Australia, women in the US or women in in South America, they're just so different, right? And one is being mindful that historically and, and culturally, there's a lot of differences. And how do we slowly but surely bring the conversation to a more common place? So I think that one of the things that really has helped us is we have an incredible global board, the board, as I said, that we, we have one representation from every single major country in the world, and, and then just being able to understand and the reality that happens in those countries are just, it makes you incredibly humble to, to understand the reality that bringing gender equality around the world, it's not going to be a sprint, Now, on the other side of the equation, I hope that it doesn't happen in 200 years, like with Melinda Gates and and her whole campaign is all about, right? So at this rate, if we wait and do and we don't do nothing, it may take us 200 years. So Mm. it's how do we bring the balance of there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Today, you know, 50% of the population are women. So we are four, almost four and a half billion people in the world. We're incredible consumers, you know, we have an incredible disposable income. So we were, we're a big part of the economy. And I don't, obviously, I don't have to give you the statistics as you know them very well, but the reality is, is that we're a big powerhouse. And this goes back to the first question of finance, right? When, when women realize the power that we have in our purchasing decision in anything that we buy, whether it is how we feed our kids, food in the supermarkets, or shoes, or any item out there, we are shaping organizations, right? Mm. Services and products. So I think that when we realize that, I think that we're just going to have a stronger place and a, more women in the room representing those companies and so on.
1: I hear you. and uh, And I'm with you, as you know, that we share that mission to close that gap. What I've observed around the work that you've done is that forming that global board was was you stepping into your greatness and into those networks, those strategic networks that you had to pick up the phone or a Zoom or whatever it is and say, hey, you're part of my network and I need you to join me in this. And here's the business case, here's why we're doing it, here's what you can bring. And being able to courageously ask those those women from every continent and every major, every major location around the globe to join a movement and to join something that's really going to make a difference is a, a really terrific example of, well, of so many things, of strategic networks and the importance of them because you just can't walk up to a stranger and say, hey, join my board. There's a whole bunch of stuff that goes with that. There's being able to demonstrate Or speak the language of power. Here's the business critical mission that we're on. Here's the social mission that we're on. The whole way that you've gone about that has been such a great demonstration of using the greatness in in you to uh, achieve and sustain extraordinary outcomes by engaging the greatness in others. But it's also been about those strategic networks and that language of power, that language of business. So it's a good case study, Julie. I'll, I'll continue to use it. Thank you. Now final question for you is around rethinking. So, you know, that the mindset shifts that that many of us have to undergo through the course of our career. Can you think about anything, you know, in life, life and leadership and, and whatever, where you've had to shift your mindset from the way it was to, to a new, well, a new state of mind? Let me add on to that, to be successful, to be as successful as you've been.
0: Yeah, totally. So I would say that probably right now, you know, after I did my, my MBA, which, you know, I did my MBA probably about 10 years ago and I graduated about 10 years ago. And, and when you kind of go after your MBA in the, in the business world, you, you, you know, you feel like, okay, you know, I've, I've done a lot, right. I've done it. I put the time, the energy, the hours of studying. And, and here I, I find myself again, 10 years later uh, just kind of still continuing to want to say am I am I really good can I be a little bit better so right now I'm taking another you know much more of an intense finance courses online and and just kind of once again challenging myself to where do I want to take my career to the next level again as, as you said it earlier I think that this is you know we, we continue to to kind of improve ourselves and that Mm -hmm. that's just going to be a lifetime process it's just not going to happen in a matter of 10 20 15 years it's just a lifetime process and and i think that that's that's where where i'm focused today right i i yes i'm I'm in a very good place and i feel very confident of my skills but i think that there is an incredible amount of room to even continue to improve a lot more Mm -hmm. um so i think that that's that's one of the things too that i often see and especially when when women ultimately decide to make the choice of having a family and having kids right i think that it's especially with with what we're living today in in the world with covid it's incredibly overwhelming right it's it's almost to a certain extent i find it very difficult for women to cope with all of it just in america itself we have what more than a million women who have dropped you know, from their jobs, because it's just it's just very difficult to cope. So and I think that that's also part of why, you know, the discussion of of trying to bring of bring in gender equality and kind of making sure that companies create the certain policies and regulations and give the space not only for women, to go and have space for maternity leave and so on, but also for fathers, right? I mean, like, how do we make this a much more, it's a dual conversation. It's just not about the women. It's about the father as well. How does he has more time to go and take the kids to the doctor, to the school practice, to do all those things so then the mother can actually continue to rise in, in her career? I do think that we're definitely leaving some, we're going through very scary moments for, for women in the career process as we speak. And, and I only hope that, that that this doesn't take us back 10, 15, 20 years, but if we can figure it out a way that we can move forward from here.
1: Yeah. So what's really interesting to me there is that what I heard was your MBA, it's not a one and done. Okay, I've done my MBA. That's the end of my learning and my continuing professional development and I've written in our group in in a career that always about the importance of continuing professional development. And again, it goes back to your line. this is a marathon, not a sprint, and even marathon, those running a marathon, they need to sustain themselves and and they will have you know the drinks and the bananas and you know whatever else goes on. From a career perspective, how do we continue to achieve and sustain? extraordinary outcomes for ourselves our careers and for the organizations that we're working for getting better and you know you're doing a a finance course and you're already a you know vice president of a private equity firm and there might be some people going wow but your determination to continually develop yourself continually have that edge to make you highly employable and highly, I remember a piece of advice actually early on is that, the Michelle, you are a commodity, you are your greatest commodity, market yourself, but you've also got to have the stuff to back that up and and what you're, you're doing the stuff to back up yourself. And I think that's really great advice. You know, rethinking, I go to a course, okay, that's my development done. It's not, it's continuing. And we have to, just like companies in, you know, for those people who have read Good to Great by Jim Collins. Companies continue to evolve, continue to change, to have the edge over the market. And we're the same as women, as leaders, as people who, who want to continually get better and have the choices that having a career that soars gives you. You have to invest and you have to continually develop yourself. And then from that, what we want to see is more women like you and me and our members be visible so that that global gender gap can be closed. And we know that coming out of the back of, well, well, we're not out of the back of COVID, of course, but looking now back on 2020 and those extraordinarily distressing statistics, a million women leaving the workforce just in the US, women have been disproportionately affected. We want every woman to be not derailed by this. And and I can say that, and I'm so conscious of saying that from my position of privilege, but perhaps the mindset shift or the rethinking is I've hit a speed bump or I've hit a bump in the road. Don't let this derail my career forever. And how might we organisationally, so leaders in organisations say, we need to redress this, but how might women have that mindset shift like you have Julie that I need to continue to press on so that that's that's terrific advice as well
0: yeah yeah and i also think that it's also fewer women of power and and or if you are in a position of influencing or or just empowering anyone below you i would just encourage anyone listening to this podcast to do it it sometimes it can be with just once again it can be with a very humble action of going for coffee mm-hmm. you know going for a cup of tea for a glass of wine or just you know connecting over lunch but you know giving the opportunity for those women below you to connect and and share what their challenges is and maybe there is an opportunity then for you or anyone else to kind of influence their lives and I think that sometimes women we need to do do a lot more of that I think that we're just very sometimes we're very protected protective of our environment and, and what's going on with our world and and sometimes we're not mindful enough that we have a much more bigger opportunity to influence the ones that are behind us
1: yeah yeah terrific way to 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 close out our discussion you know i i'm going to rephrase something that a woman that i admire dr kirsten ferguson says is don't send down the ladder after yourself throw out a bloody big net and scoop up as many women and bring them with you as as you can we 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 must and it is a, a part of leadership it's about using your personal greatness to uh to scoop up and bring many more women forward with you so Julie, with that, I thank you for your time, your wisdom and I very much enjoyed our our discussion and I know that women can find you via Global Women Fresh and we'll put all of the the connection things uh, in the show notes but thank you once again for your time and your wisdom and I look forward to our continuing collaboration in uh, Global Women Fresh.
0: Well, thank you, Michelle. As always a pleasure to connect with you and 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 equal respect for what you do and your passion and uh, excited to what twenty twenty one has for us and and what we can actually put together to do for women around the world. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Lead to Soar. We sincerely appreciate your honest, positive reviews. You can leave questions at leadtosore.com for Michelle and Mel to answer on future episodes. Until next time, we hope you'll use what you've learned here and lead to soar.